0: Uh, it's good to see everybody. Uh, we are in the, this series called the Book of Daniel. And we started it two weeks ago. And uh, we're kind of picking up in the middle, which is kind of weird to start a series or, or be in the middle of a series when we start having life services again. So let me give you a little recap. The Book of Daniel, the thesis of the Book of Daniel, is really to, to stand firm and to love well and to have influence in a culture of comp- compromise. I think a lot of people think that you've got to choose one or the other. You've got to stand firm. You've got to stand strong for God's word, but, but that's not real acceptable sometimes in our culture, and so you're not going to be liked real well, but you get to go to heaven, right? And then you have some other people that say, well, I want to love really well, I want to have influence in the world, but if I have influence in the world, then I might need to compromise scripture, I, I might need to soften the gospel, I might need to turn Jesus' blood into Kool-Aid, you know what I'm talking about? So, uh, But I, I'll be liked, I'll have influence over somebody, but really I'm not. I'm not... I'm not standing firm, and we feel like we have to choose one or the other, and I believe there's a third option. I believe that you can stand firm, that you can love well, and you can have influence over culture all at the same time. So today I want to talk about um, Daniel chapter 3. We started the whole series in Daniel chapter 1, and and in Daniel 1, kind of went over the whole theology of the book of Daniel, The, the idea is that Jesus wants us to balance grace, and truth. We see that in John chapter 1 verse 14 that Jesus was personified. He embodied grace and truth. He brought the standard, but he also brought his favor to people. And then last week we talked about culture and we talked about how Babylon, which is where Daniel, the book of Daniel takes place, that's the setting, but it's not a locality. It's really a mentality. It's a spirit that has existed from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. It's a spirit that still exists today and it's a spirit that God is going to judge in the book of Revelation. And that's really what we're talking about is culture is, is culture is very, um, it's influential. And a lot of times culture gives us this ultimatum. And we don't have the ultimatum that a lot of people on our planet have. A lot of people have this, this ultimatum with, with a gun to the head. You acknowledge God and die if you deny God and you'll live. And that doesn't happen too much on, a, on American soil. But I still think that God wants to develop some kind of courage in us for us to make decisions like that. So today we're talking about stand. In fact, my, my sermon title is called Stand Up. Right? And you can't go very far into the Bible where you don't see stand firm, stand strong, stand up. I want to show you just one example of that. First Corinthians 6, 13-14. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And then he says to do it with love, which is what we're going to talk about next week. Right? How do you stand firm and love well in this culture of compromise? But we've got to stand firm. And again, maybe on the low end of what we might face in America, in Snyder, Texas, USA, uh, you go to a restaurant and you know you should pray for the food. <laughs> See, you're at your table, but there's people around you that you might know and they may not know that you have this deep faith. And so you just kind of like, Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. Right? It's just a real quick one. You get out of it real quick. You've probably been with people that they kind of take at the other extreme. Lord! Thank you for this. You're like, oh my word. It's like the longest prayer. Your food's getting cold, right? Then sings my song. And they start singing in a How Great Thou Art. The worst is when you get a bunch of dudes together and they're like, all right, let's all hold hands. I'm like, man, I love Jesus. I don't love you. Stop not holding your hand, (laughs) right? Why are we holding hands when we pray? We, We sometimes. You've been in situations like that. So that's kind of the low end. But the higher end, a Voice of the Martyrs, estimates that 176,000 people this year will give their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you hear about these political uprisings in, in northern India in Indonesia, in Somalia, in, in Sudan, and Indonesia and Somalia and Sudan, and you hear about these political uprisings that are religious in nature, it's because people are dying for the sake of the gospel. I've been thinking a lot about Dr. Martin Luther King this week, a pastor, and I don't think that Dr. King... A lot of people thought he did what he did for political reasons. I don't think so. I think he did it because he had a faith that that propelled him to do something. He said, that I've got to stand for what God would stand for. Amen, everybody? And, and I think that we're, right now in our culture, we, we need to stand for what God would stand for. And so today I'm going to talk to you about Daniel chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. I'll put it on the screen for you as well. But... Uh, Daniel is a storybook. Lots of great stories. Probably the two most famous stories in Daniel is Daniel in the Lion's Den, and then the fiery furnace. That's what we're going to talk about today. We all know those stories from Veggie Tales, right? Rack Shack and Benny. And so let's jump into Daniel chapter three and uh, look at what, what these men did to stand firm in their faith. So King Nebuchadnezzar made an image, and as we talk through this 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 language this sermon, uh, through this sermon through this Scripture, I want you to notice how many times the word image is used and how many times the word sound is used. Because so many times what culture does is it tries to influence you, it tries to infiltrate your world through images and through sounds. And we got to be really careful with what, we're, with what we're watching with our eyes, what we're listening to with our ears. Well, I know this movie mocks God, but I, it's something to do on a Friday night. I'm just trying to entertain myself, Right? I know, this, I know this song, it mocks God, but I just listen to the, I like the beat. we got to be really careful because the, you'll see the enemy uses image and sounds to influence. So King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide. So it's 90 feet tall, it's 9 feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language. This is what you are commanded to do. And let me just say that a lot of times what culture does is it, it makes you feel like that you have to do it. Like it's a command. You don't even have an option. It's going to package itself in that way. As soon as you hear the sound, there it is, the sound of the horn, flute, zither. I don't Gary, what's a zither? I don't know what a zither is. <laughs> I just like the word, huh? What are you doing? I'm playing the zither, right? I don't know that's funny. A lyre, a harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. And therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But there are some Jews whom whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. We all bow to something. Everybody in the room bows to something. And I think it's a really good thing for us to do today is to just take an inventory Of where we're spending our time, where we're spending our energy, our money, our resources, our love. What are those things going to? Because that is what we are bowing to. Well, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, if you fall down and worship the statue, all will be well. But if you refuse, and I'm trying to build up into you a refusal spirit, right? Uh, uh, I'm not going to do it attitude, right? When, when, when a lady is on, on a date on a Friday night, and there's something you don't want to do. And, and I don't, I mean, he's real cute. I don't want him to not like me. Right, are you here maybe this is a more apropos example, you hear a joke at work that you know you shouldn't laugh at, but everybody's looking to see your response. Right? Just to refuse. I'm trying to build up into you that kind of attitude. He says, if you refuse, you'll be thrown into a flaming furnace within the hour. And what God, what God, what God can deliver you out of my hands then? I think a lot of us think that the devil is like this, right? we just think he's like this big bad dog, but we peek over the fence and it's a chihuahua in a lawn chair. You know what I'm talking about? Like, he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. Amen, anybody? And so I, I just, I don't, I'm not concerned about him. So we've got to stand. We've got to stand firm. But I'm going to tell you a couple of things that standing takes. Standing requires. The first thing standing requires, it, it takes courage. And by the way, courage... Courage is not an absence of fear. Courage is, in spite of my fear, I'm going to stand anyway. Let me show you this next verse here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not worried about what will happen to us. They had a courage. They stand firm and they took courage. Now let me just submit to you, my guess is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did indeed have fear. How could you not? Going into a fiery furnace... But again, courage is not the absence of fear. It's in spite of my fear, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to stand firm. Here's the second thing that standing takes. Standing takes faith. Standing firm takes faith. Faith in what? Faith in God. Faith that God is who he says he is. Faith that God is on your side. Faith that God is going to be with you and that he's going to be for you. We've got to have some faith that God is going to be there and be on our side. Look at this next verse. If we're thrown into the flaming furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us out of your hand, your majesty. I love that confidence. It's like, hey, you throw me in the fire, God's going to protect me. But look at the next verse. But even if he doesn't, I love that. Please understand, sir, they're still respectful. We're going to talk about that next week. Please understand, sir, that even then we will never under any circumstance serve your gods or worship the God statue that you have erected. I love that. They have this mentality of just like, you know what? It's a win-win situation as a follower of Jesus Christ. Paul had the same attitude. In Philippians 1.21, he says, For to me, to live as Christ... And to die is gain. In other words, if I'm going to live, I'm going to talk about Christ. You want to put me in jail? He's writing that from a jail cell. Put me in jail, I'm going to talk about Christ. You want to handcuff me to a jailer? How long's his shift? Eight hours. You're going to hear about Jesus for eight hours. And your shift ends and you handcuff me to somebody else? Well, you're going to hear about Jesus for eight hours. And let's put the third guy on the shift and let's talk about Jesus for eight hours. And you want to cut off my head? That's completely fine. I get to be with God. It's a win-win, right? (laughs) That was what Paul was thinking. You, You can't defeat me. I love that. I love that. And I also love that that these men, it wasn't that they were standing against Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't that they were standing against an image that he had created, but they're standing for God. And we're going to talk about more of that in a minute, but I'm not against culture, I'm not against political parties, I'm not against groups, I'm not against anything. I don't want to be a church that's against things. I want to be for God, amen, somebody? Like, I want to be for God, I want to stand with God. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and his face became dark with anger at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual and called for some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes and threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames leaped out and killed the soldiers as they threw them in. You talk about a hot fire. So the guys who were doing the throwing in of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are dying because it's so incredibly hot. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound into the roaring flames. (laughs) But suddenly as he was I'm about to preach as he was watching nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors didn't we throw 3 men into the furnace yes they said we did indeed your majesty well look nebuchadnezzar shouted i see 4 men unbound walking around in the fire and they aren't even hurt by the flames and the fourth looks like jesus come on somebody that's awesome yeah I'm I'm preaching about 62 percent better than you're responding right now. That's awesome. That is so good. This is what they call in theology a theophany, when 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 God manifests Himself to humans. God's at the at the right hand of Jesus is at the right hand of God right now. That's what the Bible says. But you understand that he he existed. Jesus existed before Bethlehem. In fact, John one says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." So he was with God in the beginning. Colossians says, all things were created by him and for him. So it's talking about Jesus. He was part of creation. But every once in a while, and I don't know why he does it, but every once in a while, Jesus leans over and he goes, Hey, Dad, hey, can I go down and freak out Nebuchadnezzar? I'll be right back. Right? He just, I just want to show up and be in the fire. I love that. I love that. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the open door of the flaming furnace and yelled, Shadrach! Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. I love that. Come on, he just got saved. He got a new religion. He's like, servants of the Most High God. (laughs) That's funny to me. Come out. Come here. So they stepped out of the fire. Then the princes, governors, captains, and counselors crowded around them and saw that the fire hadn't touched them. Not a hair of their heads was singed. Their coats were unscorched, and they didn't even smell of smoke. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. Right? Right? That is so good. See, I think a lot of times we think we have to remove ourselves from culture. But no, you can be right in the middle of culture and be unscathed and unsinged. I love that. So I want to talk about what I said a minute ago. I want us to take a stand for something and not necessarily against something. Take a stand for something and and, and not away from something. And, And the last thing I want to say about standing firm is standing firm, it inspires others. Okay, so it takes courage. It takes faith and it inspires others. Dads, I think it'd be awesome if before your kids go to school, you grab them by the hands and say, hey, we're going to pray together. How cool would that be? Just to inspire them and you can pick them up off the floor and then you can pray for them when they just fall over in shock. What? Dad wants to pray for us? Let's have some influence. Let's have some influence. Okay, so taking a stand in our culture, how do we do that? How do we do that? Nebuchadnezzar says, let's finish this this text here. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. By the way, this next verse is really, really funny. I hope you find humor in the Bible, because I do. They trusted in him (laughs) and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree, Nebuchadnezzar says, That the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. That's funny to me. So he's saved, he's just not sanctified, right? (laughs) He needs to go to next steps and come to a small group getting freedom. He needs to do something. (laughs) He loves God, but he's still a little messed up. All right. Their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the prince. Uh, a, ba- a province of Bab- Babylon. Um, so let's talk about standing for and, and not against something. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you stand for something? And I want to give you three things in closing that I want you to stand for. Okay. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to stand in prayer. And I really believe that religion, unfortunately, has hijacked prayer. We made it this uh, um, quiet thing. We even call it a quiet time. Right? So, well, Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I'm God. It says, be still. It never says anything about being quiet. If you read in the Bible, you read the people praying. They weren't this, well, I just know God knows my heart. I'm, I'm going to just pray it in my heart because God knows what I'm in my heart. No, like there's this, this passion. Let me show you Ephesians 6. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. That's what I'm asking you to do. Take a stand in prayer against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then listen to how many times it says stand. I want you to stand firm. I want you to stand in prayer. I don't want prayer to be something that's passive. It can be really the most dynamic part of your day. The second thing I want you to stand is stand for your purpose. Let me just tell you on this one, all of hell is going to try everything it can to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. That's just what, that's what the devil does. And some of you have, have not, got a part, not a part of our dream team, and, and you're not even in ministry, even though you felt that nudge from the Holy Spirit, you should be in a part of this, but you, you've never gotten a part of it because of this right here, and you, the enemy's trying to stop you from that. And he's going to discredit you and say, well, you're, you're not worthy. Look at what you did this week. Hey, join the club. We all sinned this week and fell short of the glory of God. Are you kidding? You you can't do it. You're disqualified. Again, join the club. I want you to stand for your purpose. Let me show you this verse out of 1 Corinthians. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Here's why. You can't let anything move you. always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I can't tell you how many times that I have tempted to to just throw in the towel and stop doing what I'm doing. If I told you I'd disappoint you, how many times that's crossed my mind? But I stand here today and I continue to stand here and I'm not going to move from this platform or or whatever platform God gives me. Why? Because that's what he's called me to do. And I know I'm doing exactly what he wants me to do. And if I stop doing this, then I've stopped doing what he's called me to do from the foundations of the earth. Amen, somebody? You, You have a purpose. God has given you a purpose. It may not be this, it's something else, but don't don't lose your ministry, don't lose your opportunity to serve him because the enemy puts lies. He's the father of lies and he is a great deceiver. And he fills your mind with doubt. Here's the last thing is I want you to stand for God. Why should I stand for God? Because he stood for you. He gave his life for you. He gave his career for you. He gave his reputation for you. The Bible says that he was a man of no reputation. Why? You. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was his joy? Why did he have joy? You. In fact, in Matthew, Jesus says, if you acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. But he goes on to say, but if you deny me before people, then I'll deny you before my Father. Well, I guess he wasn't that serious about his relationship with me. Here's how the message puts that verse: Stand up for me against world opinion, and I'll stand up for you before my Father in heaven. I'm going to invite Kerry to come up. I'm going to close, and I want to close with the coolest thought today. I want to leave you with this. This is a this is a fun thought. Um, when I start looking at where Jesus is, is he standing? Is he sitting? All throughout the Bible, in the New Testament, you see him sitting, 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 sitting. Let me, I'm not going to show you a bunch of them. Let me just show you one. Colossians 3:1. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You've heard that before. Hebrews says the same thing. Hebrews says that he's seated at the right hand of God, and he's he's talking to God about you and me. He's interceding on our behalf. So he's seated. So I started looking in the New Testament, and I tried to find where in the Bible is he standing. In the New Testament, is Jesus standing? And I could only find one instance where he's actually physically standing. You know where it was? It was when when Stephen, Stephen was the first martyr in in the world. So he was the first person who died who says, I'm going to die as a Christian because of my beliefs. I'm going to believe this, And and he was preaching And they said, be quiet. He wouldn't be quiet. And they said, we're going to kill you. And so they tied him to a pole, and they stoned him. They put stone upon stone upon him. So he's covered in stones until he eventually just died. And listen to this. This is such a beautiful text, Acts 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing. Not seated. At the right hand of God. Look! Look! I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. When does Jesus stand? When you stand. I say it this way. When I stand, Jesus stands with me. Let's stand up for God, right? Let's really, I mean, like stand firm in our faith and who we are and not let culture compromise who we are. We stand firm and say, listen, I'm, I'm proud to say I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It saves me. It's made me who I am today. I stand firm in that. And when you stand firm, Jesus stands with you. In closing, some of you might need to stand in your faith for the very first time. You say, you know what, I've never acknowledged Jesus as Lord, and so how is he going to acknowledge me to the Father? Because I've never done that. And I would love for you to stand, not physically here today, but stand privately in your heart. I want you to say, I'm going to make that commitment today that I'm giving my life to Jesus. So I'm going to walk you through a prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you a chance to stand and for the rest of you, maybe, maybe you, you've given your life to Jesus before, but maybe you, you've, been, you've been guilty of compromising with the culture. So maybe you pray this prayer today as well. You say, you know what, I'm going to stand again. I'm not going to deny my Father. I'm not going to deny Jesus. I'm going to stand Him in Him firm today. I know it takes courage. I know it takes faith. And, and you know what, it's going to inspire somebody too. So I'm going to pray with you, and if you'd like to pray this prayer again, there's a time in the future we're going to make this public, but I think it needs to be private first, so I'd love to pray with you. So if you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes with me, even if you're watching on Facebook or local cable channel too, I'd love for you to pray this prayer with me if this is what God's calling you to do. If you feel this today, and the Holy Spirit's nudging your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner, that I fall short of the standard that you've set. And I believe the penalty for that sin is death. But you didn't give me what my sins deserve. You gave your son Jesus what my sins deserve instead. He died on the cross. He was buried, but he rose again. And I put my faith in him so that one day I might rise again to live forever with him and with you. Come into my life and lead my life. Be my Lord and my Savior and help me to stand firm in my faith to stand in prayer to stand for my purpose and to stand for you in a culture that's telling me otherwise in Jesus name amen amen uh, if you prayed that prayer today here's what I love is I'd love for you to uh, to text me I text that word saved to this number three two five two two one just text that one word, saved. What that does, it sends a text to me. I've got some next steps I'd love to give to you, some resources I'd love to mail to you in the physical mail. I'm not going to bother you, I promise. I'm going to send you one simple thing just saying, hey, here's, some, here's a gift to help you start it in this new journey with Jesus. Uh, come on, church family, can we just give a round of applause for all those who made a decision today? I know there's some, some that are watching online today. I'm honored, excited. Come on.